You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. What up, what up? You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. It's your host, Rafael Barlow. Got a special guest. And it's actually a story that I've been wanting to hear for years. And I'll just give a brief, I guess, summary. So it was 2016-17. I was living in Europe. And I was working with a friend of mine that played for Fenerbahce and they played a team in Greece. And after the game, I asked my friend Epi, I was like, yo, who's this Mike James dude? He was like, yo, that's, you know, he just said, yo, that's, that's Mike James as if like, you don't know. And as a person that, you know, considers myself a basketball junkie, I was trying to figure out like, why do I not know who this dude is? Like he's unstoppable at getting to the rim or, or whatever. So Ever since then, I've been like a big fan and just kind of been following the journey. So thank you, Mike James, for coming on as a guest. So this this is like a, a big deal to me. Nice words right there. Hopefully I can live up to that. Nah, man, it's, it's uh, I mean, like I said, I lived in Europe, so I know you're like a legend over there. And for the audience that doesn't know, like they're just, you know, learning your name. You've had like a crazy journey from Juco to Lamar to Europe, you worked your way to the highest level in Europe, went to the NBA and back. And then now you're on a title contender. So the show is like about the NBA draft, but I wanted to do shows on different guys called undrafted. In your opinion, coming out of Lamar in 2012, like why weren't you drafted? Um, I don't know. Nobody really just took a second look at me. I think, uh, they just kind of put me in a box and said I couldn't play point guard and just I was like a scoring two. And then back then, when I first came out, it wasn't really positionless basketball all the way yet. It was kind of either you're a one or you're a two. It wasn't a lot of combos, you know what I'm saying? It was some, but they were just like elite, elite players. So uh, for me, I think uh, they just said that I really wasn't a point guard and I was too small to do it. And they just watched. They didn't really give me a chance to show them different. They didn't really come to watch it. They just kind of, you know, somebody said it, they believed it, move on. And that's the thing about scouting that I feel like is so crazy because there's a lot of people that just follow the leader and every team has tons of scouts. You were in Texas. Every team probably has four or five scouts that are within the region and everyone dropped the ball on you in a sense. Now, do you think it was, partly because you were overlooked or are you a late bloomer? Um, I definitely got better as I got older, but I don't, I don't know. That's a tough question. I think I played well enough to get some looks to in college and uh, for whatever reason, some, like I said, uh, I didn't get them. So, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, I didn't really, it didn't really bother me at the time. It doesn't really bother me now. I mean, things happen for a reason. Uh, whatever the case may be, it was meant to happen. So, you know, moving on now. In 2012, did you have any workouts with any NBA teams? 
No, I didn't have a single one. The reason why that's crazy to me is because I did some research, right? And half the players that were selected in the first round of the 2012 draft are out of the NBA. And these are the guys that had, you know what I'm saying, like tons of, maybe not tons, but at least 30 games of footage. These are the guys that all the scouts that have been paid good money projected to be in the NBA. And here it is, nine years later, they're out. And you're in, and, you know, you're on a, on a, on a contender. So take me back to, like, draft day. Were you expecting to hear your name called, or was it just like a normal day? How was that for you? No, I wasn't expecting anything. Somehow, some way, like I think like Minnesota had me on their draft board, but I was like really, really late. I don't know how that happened. Somebody just told me that. But uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't consider it. I don't think I watched past the first eight picks. I think I went to sleep after that. I think I was on East Coast, so I think I went to sleep after that and just got ready to uh, work out the next day. So I wasn't really worried about it. Were you like looking at the names or did you like read the paper the next day, see the names? Like he can't check me. You know, Kanye had a line where he said when he was first trying to come up, he was like, are, are these dudes that much better than me? I mean, did you have that same feeling? No, really. It didn't bother me that much. I mean, like I said, things happen for a reason. I didn't expect to get drafted. I didn't expect, anything major to happen so uh you know move forward so so take me to your journey in europe like what was the first team or first country that you started playing in uh my first season i was in croatia for like majority of the season i hated it (laughs) didn't like it i didn't really uh go over there with an open mind i don't think i think uh the culture shock kind of got to me and just me being uh, introverted by nature, I think. Uh, I'm not quick to, like, uh, make a lot of new friends, so it's hard for me sometimes. So, uh, you know, things happen, and, uh, you know, I just – I didn't have a good time over there. But, I mean, uh, as the years went by, I, def- I think it definitely worked out for me a lot more, and uh, I think it helped me grow. Yeah, so that was that was like my next question. Like, did you know much about basketball in Europe at the time? No, I didn't know one thing. I thought I knew stuff, but then when I got over there, it was just like, yeah, I didn't know much. I didn't know what the league situation was. I didn't know like what was going on. I just kind of was just kind of happy to just be playing basketball. Really, yeah, I feel like it's a different time now, and I think that every college player in your situation should have a little bit more knowledge about basketball in Europe as opposed to five, six, seven, eight years ago. Now, how do you feel playing in Europe has helped your game? It's funny, me and Stat, Amari, Stat Amari, we were just talking about this on the bench like a couple games ago. In Europe, you have to learn how to play real basketball. Like some people in the NBA get away with just being super talented or super athletic or just being, like, God-gifted the ability to just be an athlete. In Europe, you get the players that aren't athletic, that are kind of just worried, are mostly focused on their skill, and they play basketball the right way. So when you go over there on a smaller court and there's defensive three seconds, 
if you go out there and try to out athlete everybody, people are just gonna leave you open, let you shoot wide open threes, make you show them that you can actually play basketball. And uh, I think being in Europe makes you have to focus on, okay, he's open, let me move that there and an extra pass here. Let me cut here. Let me come off the screen like this so I don't get trapped. Let me get rid of the ball there. It's just certain things about how to play basketball that you have to learn to be good in Europe that I think sometimes in the NBA, say, for instance, you're on a team like the Nets and you got Kyrie, Kyrie Katie, and James on your team. You could just sit in the corner all game and you don't really learn how to play basketball. You just sit in the corner and it's not a lot of practices. It's not a lot of time where you get to like have the ball in your hand in certain situations and know what to do with it. So you're just kind of, okay, shoot the open three. If I'm open, not give it back to Kevin or Kai or James and just sit back in the corner. So you don't really learn how to play basketball, which really isn't a bad thing. I mean, I mean, people get paid a lot of money to sit in the corner and make threes and play defense. Right. But I mean, uh, I think that's just the biggest difference. I think when you go overseas, you have to learn how to play basketball in every facet instead of just in the NBA, you have specialists where you just only do one thing. You focus on that and you can make a killing off it really. But, you know, yeah, that was one of the first things I learned. So I was there that, that whole season, and I had worked in the G League. I had been around some NBA teams before. The practices were totally different. I mean, the first practice I went to, probably 30 minutes in, that's when practice started. Like, you know, they did right. the, the fundamental stuff, talking three-man weave, defensive drills, and then practice started. And, you know, NBA practices are totally different. But I learned, like, it's so it's probably a little bit more difficult in a sense to play in Europe than it is the NBA. And I mean, you, you kind of said it best. You don't really see a lot of guys in Europe that just are specialists. Like everyone has to cut. You see guys play different roles in a moment. I want to ask Mike about his experience at the 2017 summer league. I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast. And I think you're really going to love this podcast called death at the wing. It's a sports documentary podcast hosted by Adam McKay, who is the writer and director of The Big Short, Vice, and Anchorman. Death at the Wing is this narrative documentary series looking at the generation of basketball stars and prospects that fell victim to all the historical and socioeconomic and political forces that defined basketball in the 80s. Now, the 80s was the era that introduced me to basketball and there was a new generation of players. I mean, Magic is quite older than me, but guys like Magic, Bird, Dr. J are the guys that I looked up to and I started watching when I was like four or five years old. And what I didn't realize at the time was these new stars were facing so many difficulties in their lives, along with like the wealth and stardom. Just everything that was going on in the 80s took its toll on, you know, players from that generation you had like what they call Reaganomics, you had crack cocaine, you had everything that was going on as far as like with crime at such a, a high rate. And I remember like gang violence was soaring. And unfortunately, there were a lot of players that ended up passing away a lot earlier than they should have. And that's why this documentary, I think it's going to be so great because McKay was joined by sports journalists and experts who lived through these moments. I would love for you to check it out. Search for Death at the Wing wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, 
Jason Tatum put the Boston Celtics on his back, and boy, did he ever with a 50-point game. And it advanced Boston out of the playing round. But you can get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is Rafael with NBA Draft Junkies Locked On NBA Draft. I'm back with Mike James and... I wanted to ask him about 2016-17. I struggled with it. I wasn't playing. So you went from the playoffs straight to Vegas? Or did you did you go straight from Greece to Vegas to play in the summer league that year? Uh, Not straight. I got home for a couple of weeks. But okay. uh, I didn't do no working out in between. I kind of just went to Vegas and was ready to play. That was kind of the thing. I feel like me and maybe a few other people – recognize how hard that was because I was in Istanbul for 10 months. I, I think I stayed after Fenner won the Turkish league. Then I think I went to like Egypt. Then I went straight from Egypt to Vegas. And I felt like I missed most of the summer league games because I was sleepy. I was tired. And so I was telling my homeboy, I was like, yo, I, this dude was just playing in Europe. I know his body clock has to be way off and he's killing. And I don't think he understood like how crazy it was. So like, how were you doing that playing at such a high level? And I know your body clock had to have been off after being in Europe for like 10 months. That's the one thing I noticed. I was just running up and down. I was tired just cause I don't, it could have been body clock tired, mentally tired, physically tired. It could have been a combination of, of a lot of things, but I was just tired a lot during that sequence. And I remember thinking, dang, is, does the NBA court really bother me this much or am I just like out of whack? And uh, obviously during the season, I got a, a lot better shape and it was it worked out a lot better. But at that time, I was really tired and I was re- a little worried about it, honestly. I, I couldn't tell. That's what I'm saying. Like, I was amazed because that was the first year for me summer league really changed. It was the Lonzo Ball year and, and it was packed. And I used to be able to sit on like the third row. I was sitting up in the nosebleeds. And I was exhausted. I remember I couldn't eat. And uh, I ended up running into Anthony Bennett, who was with Fenner. He had lost so much weight. And he was like, man, I lost my appetite because the time difference. And I was feeling the same way. And we were at the mall. And I was like, can you believe Mike James is out here killing like he's killing? And we just kind of looked at each other like, he he's different. <laughs> he's different. So tell me about like that summer league experience. Was that your first experience like in the NBA? No, that was actually uh, my second time playing summer league, honestly. The first time, I think I didn't play the first couple games and ended up playing the last, like, three or four. But, uh, yeah, I think that was the first time. That was the first time I was already on the team, so it felt a lot different. It felt like uh, like it was just, you know, kind of my show. I could do whatever I wanted. And, you know, if you're on the team and you're playing summer league, it's kind of like, yeah. Like, it's kind of different than coming, just playing and not being on the team and just kind of being there. So it was a totally different experience. But I enjoyed both both ways, though. Now, is it true you were on a a two-way when you you ended up signing Yeah, I was on a two-way. Yeah, I was on a two-way first. Without getting into the specifics, like, I mean, were you just, like, that certain that you were – that you were ready to contribute on that level? Because, I mean, that's a significant 
drop in money? Like you really bet on yourself to to take that two way. Um, we have like a handshake type of thing that I was never gonna go down to the G League. I was just gonna stay with the team the whole time and then get converted over. Gotcha. So I mean, um, that makes a big difference. Basically, I just kind of counted as me on the minimum and just seeing how my NBA career would be. And uh, you know, it had its ups and downs. It, it had uh, pros and cons for sure, but uh, I definitely enjoyed the experience. So after that, you went to New Orleans briefly, and then you went back to Europe. At that mm-hmm. time, were you planning on staying in Europe, or did you think the NBA was over? I just was kind of off it. I didn't really. I don't, the, the politics of the NBA and just stuff that go, was going on when I was here, I just didn't really enjoy it. I didn't enjoy my time, and I was just kind of off it. I, I was never really like a big like I have to play in the NBA guy anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, just like a negative experience and kind of change your whole mindset about something. And uh, I went back to Europe and got a big deal, and I didn't really care to come back ever, honestly. Which I was kind of shocked to see you back, even though I wanted to see you back because I, I felt like you're like in this unique situation where you are starring Europe, but you have a game that's better suited for the NBA, especially with the spacing and, you know, I'm sure like the, the looks you're getting in Brooklyn are a lot easier than the looks that you were getting, whether you were in Chesco or Milan. What is like the biggest adjustment from being a star in Europe to now a, a complimentary role in Brooklyn? Honestly, it depends. Sometimes when I play with the second group, I have to be a little bit more aggressive than I initially thought coming over just because, uh, you know, with the second group, I have to play make a lot more. Obviously, when you play with the big three, you don't have to play make as much. It's kind of like, you come off a screen, pass it, go to the corner, you get it, be aggressive, and that's it. With the second group, it's a little bit more come off of screens and probe, find an open man, try to get somebody else a, sh- a shot, make sure they got a good shot. And you kind of got to do more work for people to get better shots. But, I mean, with the big three, they kinda, they're kind of just so good that you really don't – you just you really got to just get them the ball and they kind of figure it out for themselves. Back to something that we touched on earlier. Do you feel like your playmaking improved significantly by playing in Europe? For sure. I think uh, just the reads, smaller courts, so the passes, you got to make them pinpoint. Here, it's a bigger court, so I'm able to kind of manipulate better and just uh, see things on a broader scale. And, you know, it's a little bit easier to pass, honestly. In just a moment, I'll get a chance to ask Mike about this legendary work ethic that I've been hearing about. And I'm sure this work ethic has played a major role in his success as an undrafted NBA player who's now playing on the highest level on a team that's looking to compete for a championship. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and even UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, cell phone, iPad, or tablet. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. So I wanted to talk to you about Built Bar. If you're new to the show, you know all about it. If you're not, we've been telling all of our listeners about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's this amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great-tasting protein bar. And get this, it is 100% chocolate on all bars. Yes, you heard me right. A protein bar that is 100% chocolate, all bars. It comes in different flavors like coconut almond, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter, mint brownie, salted caramel, coconut, cherry barcia, And there's even a birthday cake flavor. Yes, birthday cake flavor with sprinkles. It's made with 100% real white chocolate. Now, if you want to try it for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com. Or you can even go to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKS15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKS15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check it out. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. We have scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage four days a week from credential draft experts like myself. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, again, this is Rafael, Locked On NBA Draft. I have Mike James of the Brooklyn Nets. And I wanted to ask you, all right, what advice would you give a player that is coming from a mid-major that went undrafted but still has NBA dreams? Honestly, my first advice would be, does it have to be NBA? I mean, it's a lot of people that make a lot of money and great careers just being overseas and providing for their families. So I think uh, don't get tunnel vision on the NBA. Don't, don't start taking too many G League gears just to see if you can be in the NBA when it's millions of dollars, 500,000, 600,000 be made in Europe that, uh, you know, provide a, a great life for your family. But uh, always work on your game. I think uh, me and Kev joke about this a lot. Uh, you can always tell who work on their game in the summertime when they come back and when they do moves and when how they read stuff and how they shot come off. You know, you don't. Some people don't work on their game. They just go in the summer, kind of party, live up the NBA lifestyle, shoot some spot shots, and then come back in the season and think it's finna be all fun and games. But I mean, uh, you see it when yeah. people come back every year, how they play and what what changes and what they added. So I mean, uh, that would be the main thing. Just work on your game. Uh, don't be satisfied. And, uh, I don't care if you went over in EuroLeague and averaged 25 and 8. Working a game, you can still average 30, 30 and 10. You can still get your free throw percentages up. You can still get your percentages up. You can still get more steals. You can still play better defense. It's always something you can work on. And uh, that would basically be what I would – that's my advice basically to everybody. That's funny because I don't know where I heard it from. And like I said, I've been following your your story since I first saw you play. But someone told me that your work ethic is crazy, like a legendary work ethic. What's a typical day like for you in the summer? Uh, to be honest, I don't know how crazy. I think people like to make up stuff. But I mean, I'm like an 8 a.m. person that wake up. 
I, I use I don't I'm not a big breakfast either, so I'm like a bottle of water on the way to go work out. Uh, normally it's like eight thirty to ten thirty, nine to eleven, some type of body workout, like two hours. Uh, like a shake in between that, like an hour break, and then go to the court. Probably get like an hour and a half on the court, uh, and then play probably. We play like full court twos, full court threes, something like that. You like know that's not normal, right? What, <laughs> full court twos, full court threes? It's not that bad. It's well, like, I mean, it'd like, be like four teams, so it's 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 not like straight just two teams. It's not like four teams, so you get a little break. It's not that bad. But I mean, it, it's still not normal. I mean, I know you're kind of downplaying because when you said the two hours on the body, like I've worked with NBA players, I've trained NBA players. Some guys are two hours for the day. They're done. They do an hour strength of conditioning. They shoot, you know, in May or June, you're not getting much action. You're getting a lot of spot ups. You know, I, I, I've made a joke today. Like I really like enjoy working out with guys that are doing pre-draft stuff. Cause you can say, I need you to give me a down and back and I'm throwing you five lobs and they'll do it. A vet is like, nah, man, yeah. I'm just shooting these, <laughs> I'm shooting these set shots. Yeah. I'm just he trying to work on that game. I'm trying to. And so for you but to say, I mean, not. just doing the math, that's like gotta, six hours. It's like a nine to 11 work. And then like 12 to two, 12 to two thirty, something like that. I get home about three every day and then I'm done for the day though. So it works out perfect. But that's still like you're clocking like in the, like, a I nine to five. like the, I actually like the eight to 10, 11 to one setting. So I can get home at like two, two thirty. That actually works better for me, but that eight, so, that eight o'clock starting time don't always work out with my sleep schedule. All right. So when did you add that? crazy scoop floater to your game scoop floater off the wrong leg i should say um uh, probably five years ago six years ago something like that probably yeah and, five or six probably and that's an example of like working on your game because i mean it seems like it could be an instinctual move but that's something it looks like you worked on because you have to have like put in the work to, to shoot, especially in the Euroleague game. I don't think the average fan knows how important every single possession is in the Euroleague game. And that's not a setting where you try stuff out. So I figure you must have put a lot of work in on your shot to, to, to shoot that in the game. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to work on everything. You can't just try to start pulling stuff out and think it's going to work. So uh, most of the stuff I try in games, I, I work on. It's always a couple things that you just kind of fall into doing. But, I mean, uh, most of the stuff I try in games, I work on a lot. So, I mean, uh, you got to prepare for each situation. I think that uh, I kind of just got that because I'm short and it, it kind of just works real well for me. I'm not the best at overhand floaters. So, the underhand, for some reason, just is more of my thing. So. From deep, though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it got further and further as I got better at it, but that's uh, it started real close. Are Are you looking forward to this first playoff experience? Uh, yeah, I'm looking to see uh what happens, how it goes. Really, I mean, uh, anything can happen, but um, 
I'm excited to get started. A bit. And I imagine that you're probably won't be as nervous because I, I feel like I've been to the final four. I've been to your league playoffs and NBA playoffs are nowhere near as intense. I feel like game seven of the NBA finals is probably the equivalent of, you know, maybe it's not a Panna and Olympiacos game for sure. Nah, I mean, uh, they're definitely two different vibes, but I mean, Nah, I'm not really nervous. I'm more uh, just ready to get started, honestly. I bet. Well, man, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you got playoffs on the way and, you know, busy schedules. I appreciate you taking the time out for, you know, for, you know, telling your story on Locked On NBA Draft. For those that are listening, where can they find you at as far as like on, on social media? Oh, we, I think my Instagram is Mr. Natural underscore 05. And I think my Twitter is the natural underscore 05. I, I don't feel I'm bad. pretty sure. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm my, sure. my Twitter, you know, everything is supposed to be the same and all linked up. My Twitter is different yeah. than my Instagram and all of that. So eventually yeah. I need to change I'm, it. But Yeah, I missed it. I messed it up. It's all right. Well, cool, man. Thanks again. I appreciate you coming on. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow, Locked On NBA Draft, NBA Draft Junkies with Mike James, and we are out.